Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Our Baseball Weekly. It's episode 56, and this is the weekly podcast from the Baseball Subreddit. My name's Maz, and today Lewis sat down with Reddit user Hispanic at the Disco, or as he's known, uh, Chad. And that's not the meme Chad meme. It's his actual name. And it's, it's a really good interview. So he is a Chad through and through. Uh, well, he's going to talk about his annual Better Know the Ballot post series and the fun he's had putting that together. That's a really good series. I always look forward to him going through everybody that's on the ballot every year. Um, it's fun. But before that fun, let's get to some fun here. To chat with me is Lewis. Again, he's going to speak with me about everything that happened this week in baseball. Lewis, how you doing? I am doing pretty, pretty good today. Got my new home office set up. So that's really fun. And uh, I do need to apologize because last week's trivia question was a had a mis, misstatement in it. Yeah, uh, I did hear uh, some controversy in the yes. uh, in our chat. You were talking about it. Yes, uh, it was in 2005. Mark Burley did not record a win and a save. He recorded a start and a save. So that distinction is pretty important. Uh, in 2006, Adam Wainwright got a win and a save, but mm. Burley only got the start and then um, got the save the next next game. And uh, Nime pointed out afterwards that uh, if he recalls correctly from some interviews, Burley was actually buzzed because <laughs> he had had a few in the locker room because he didn't expect to get put into the game and he only needed three pitches to get that last out. But uh, yeah, so so that was that was that my correction apologies to everyone who might have been uh doing some wrong trivia for the last week yeah that's important people will yell at you on the internet if you're wrong um so we want to yes. get that out there and say hey we messed up a little bit but okay good thing you're standing behind it <laughs> well what do we got for the trivia question this week this week is a fun trivia question it is what pair of players were the last to finish a season with 140 or more RBIs? We've got some traditional stats we're looking at this week, Maz. Uh, mm -hmm. 140 plus RBIs. It has not happened in a long time. And really? Yeah, it has been. Um, I'll tell you, it is over a decade ago that we had it and two players reached uh, over 140 in the same season. And so they're the last two to have that. Hmm. Okay. I, I mean, I'd have to think that maybe it might be, might not be two players that you'd think of. Maybe it would be somebody that had like an insane RBI season. And then a guy that like you maybe wouldn't think of, but because of the combined totals with the one guy, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know the answer yet. I haven't looked it up. Um, but that that's maybe where my mind would go. That one guy wouldn't be someone that you would think of, but maybe I'm being too smart for my own good. I don't know. Um, I Well, so this one does get answered in our interview segment later. Um, Perfect. Me and Chad actually talk about it and get to get to that fact. So um, there's there's your hint. Both <laughs> players are would have been eligible to be on the ballot at this point so oh they've, they've both retired for at least five years and they both had at least 10 year careers so okay so there's that um, if you've been reading along with this better know the ballot series then maybe you would have seen their names yes he's written he's written them for both of these guys okay. um i don't know what else to to say to zero it in but yes he's he's written ones in the past for both these guys perfect well, let's get moving on, I guess, with the light news from this week. But we got a couple big things, uh, in my opinion. I guess the first thing that we should start with, which is one of those big things, is that the first female minor league manager was named by the Yankees, uh, their single-A affiliate, Rachel Balkovic. Is that correct? Did I say your name right? I believe that is the pronunciation. <laughs> Perfect. She becomes the first female to work full-time as a manager of a major league baseball affiliated team. Uh, as I mentioned, she takes over their low a Tampa squad. Uh, that is momentous. It is a first time. It is legendary. Uh, I love to see it. Oh, we'll get a little bit more into it, but what's your immediate snap thoughts? Yeah, this was, so this news dropped 
um, like literally minutes after I finished uploading last week's audio. Um, <laughs> so we weren't able to catch it. It's old news at this point. It's a week old, yeah. uh, but we weren't able to cover it last week. And uh, I mean, I think it's just great for the game to to be seeing women in more and more of these roles as they they move up the ladder. We've got our first female GM for the Marlins. We've yeah. got a lot of coaches uh, out at the the Giants have, um, and now we've got our first full time minor league manager. And we'll see. Um, uh, she is only thirty four, I believe. So I mean. If she does well, there's time to move right on up and we'll see if we can. I mean, she's just going to be breaking through glass ceilings every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so good for her. Um, she has done something that is super impressive. Even before this, she actually has two master's degrees. Two of okay. them. So I'm, working, I'm working on qualified. one master's degree. I can't imagine finishing two of them. Um, well, one in... Uh, kinesiology from LSU and then she went to I this pronunciation I'm not sure because I'm not Dutch Vrije University in the Netherlands uh, sure. <laughs> for for a master's in human movement sciences so um, as we have talked about multiple times the miners have really been moving towards that movement and perfecting swings and arm motions as kind mm. of what is the next stage in development i think yeah and she was it also says here she was a hitting coach as well yes. um so that's pretty i guess you know having that human movement sciences degree you know maybe it helps her get hitches out of guys swings and get more plate coverage and that sort of thing so that has definitely got to come in in handy what is keen kinesiology that's uh, Kinesi- what is that <laughs> basically study of human movement um, oh okay so I'm, it's kind of piggybacking I'm curious off of why that. it's like two master's degrees when they are seem like they're kind of the same thing mm-hmm. um but i'm sure there's differences because you know once you get in a master's degree like theoretical statistics and applied statistics are two different master's degrees. Like she could tell different. you for sure. And She's she definitely smarter exactly than we are. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, she actually started as a minor league strength and conditioning coach and then has just kind of moved her way up that ladder and uh, got it. She became a hitting coach with the Yankees last year. She managed in the Australian baseball league last year. Mm-hmm. And now she's got a uh, low A Tampa. She's going to be there as their full-time manager. So good for her. Um, low A ball is usually the younger guys. So um, I don't think she, you know, once you get up to triple A, you've got a few of those like longtime farm hands who are just sticking around. But um, those are the younger guys down there. So we'll see. And I, that'll be really good for them to, to have that influence. And we'll see how, uh, how her career moves on. Hopefully it's a long and exciting one and we can hear about her for some years to come. Totally. I, I hope so. Now you mentioned that she was in the Australian baseball league, actually speaking of female you know, people in baseball. That's right. Uh, It's not something that we had written down, but I wanted to mention that uh, Australian Baseball League had its first female player Yeah, uh, uh, this last week as well. I think it came out around the same time. Um, I don't know her name off the top of my head, so I I massively apologize, but it was a pitcher in the Australian Baseball League uh, who's like 17 and she's Uh, already throwing like 85. Genevieve Beacom. There you go. Yeah. Seventeen so year old left hander. So, yeah. so that's really cool. And she's apparently already up to like you know eighty five or so miles an hour, and and looks good. Uh, Australian baseball league is really breaking barriers with with having females on the field and in the dugout. Which is pretty yeah, cool. I will see. And that's like uh, this is one one thing where cricket has had um, female cricket for uh, a number of years now not t- not quite oh. test cricket yet but like the the one day and the the, the 2020 cricket the the shorter formats um hmm. and so and uh, i know in australia uh, so usually when you look at sports um the the fact that the u.s has the wnba and the the female soccer team is huge is actually like the u.s has pretty 
high like female participation in sports compared to a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. Um, but Australia, they they seem, I mean, they've got their the rugby teams and Aussie football teams and now they've got uh, in the cricket teams and now they've got uh, 17 year olds breaking into their baseball. Um, so that's, that's really exciting. I was really sad. So the Australian baseball league had to cancel its full season due to COVID this year um, because I, I guess that, that there's because, a Djokovic, I, I'm trying to get to some Djokovic <laughs> joke um, mm. somewhere in here. It's, it's not happening. I'm, I'm just going to leave it out, but yeah. Um, Novak Djokovic. Djokovic, yeah. 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 It's yeah. already been made. Yeah, all right. Yeah, uh, moving yeah. on. Yeah, but uh, they, they do have these challenge series, which is why she was able to pitch, and I'm excited that she got to do that. So hopefully she can come back to the full season next year. Yeah, totally. Both, both of you were, were really rooting for him to be successful and, uh, and to, to blend right in and, you know, maybe move up. She's already in low A, you know, they move up a little bit, maybe major someday. Like we said, she's still young. So, hey, could happen. Pipe dream. Sadly, well, it's guess, a pipe dream, but, you know. Yeah, sad, progress. but we'll, we'll get there eventually. I'm confident that we will. Um, <laughs> well, I guess something I don't know. That's happy news. Uh, I don't know if this is bummer news or if this is just eh news but but on thursday the owners presented a plan to the players uh for you know a new cba um they didn't accept it obviously never accept their first offer that's something that i always learned um but the negotiations are apparently ongoing now uh, after being off for like you know a month uh for the holidays but uh, it seems like everybody is in agreement on the universal dh happening yeah uh, i think that was per Heyman or per, per someone but it looks like everybody's like uh, susan slusser yeah okay out well, of the well, bay area yeah um saying that yeah universal dh will most likely happen um but yeah the two sides are talking so that's positive that's good <laughs> um I will say I was glad that most uh, I didn't see any tweets with the word insulted in in the titles when this uh, when the players mm-hmm. turned it down. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I find if the word insulted is in there, that's at least a month or two more of negotiations, but they just turned it down. So yeah. uh, we'll see. We've got eight days uh, for Dylan to be right on the end of the uh the lockout we got 15 15 before me and nine 16 for uh for phil and then you were the pessimist of the group did i I say march 1st or something like that i think i said mid-february i think i did uh, okay all right (laughs) i think i think you also had mike trout homering before the or like the day after the the uh, lockout ended yeah it's, it was kind of oh, crazy but yeah all right um i mean well, we'll be, you know we'll be following it with interest we'll see what happens uh mm. i i don't think we're gonna lose regular season baseball um, but not. obviously every day without a deal is another day closer to that so we'll see yeah, i think they, they were saying that it's uh spring training starting on time is looking like it's not gonna happen so. well you know they've got a <sighs> The thing is, this year, especially, like, the players have access. They don't have access to team facilities, but the union has done a really good job prepping for this. Yeah. They have, I mean, like, veteran players have tons of younger guys coming to their their private facilities. Um, I mean, everyone in the Dominican has winter league ball or has facilities down there. I'm sure Nelson Cruz has a giant facility or something mm-hmm. um, down there that he's got people working at. And then the union like went out and rented facilities and ballparks so that people could could be warming up and playing. Um, so this is where I think the the players have a slight advantage because they don't get paid for spring training. But the owners sell tickets. Right. If the players can have their own spring training, they could realistically say, like, hey, uh, we can start the season on time even without spring training. So uh, you guys on your every uh, every spring training game lost is money lost for you, not us. (laughs) So hopefully that puts a little pressure to to get the deal done here. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope it gets done. I've said it multiple times. I think we all have that. Uh, we hope it gets done. I hope it gets done quick and uh, everybody getting their fair share, especially the players. So we'll keep bringing you the news as the slow news trickles out. Yeah, well, here's here we have a few retirements. That's Those are the things that uh, just kind of trickle out this time of year anyways. It's inevitable. Um, John Lester retires. He, he retired this week, 16 years, mostly with the Red Sox and Cubs, three-time World Series champ. Uh, some people, for some reason, kept mentioning him on both curse-breaking teams, but he, he, he was, was not, not on the 04 team. Correct, no, correct. No, he, he was not. 07 and 13 for Boston, and then the curse-breaker uh, 2016 Cubs. And uh, 117 wins, 2,488 Ks five-time all-star and he was oh. able to pick off someone at some point near the end of his <laughs> career so good he did good it that one him. time and that everybody one time. everybody celebrated um yeah john lester good player um you know kind of a legend for two teams because he was on that curse breaking team with the cubs and then you know he won those two world series with the with the red Sox as well he just missed being on the 04 team because he debuted no six so he's probably in their organization but yeah no he didn't play for them um not a hall of famer no hall of very good maybe that's a stretch but he i would say he is very good but i don't know i haven't hard looked at his numbers lately so so i don't know Hall of notable pitchers that at one point everyone wanted on their team. Sure. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and of course he ended his career with the red, with the uh, Cardinals um, and Washington. He actually played for them uh, last year as well. I remember him pitching a game against the Mets. And I think he dominated us for some reason, um, but yeah. 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 Well, there was uh, that, that was a little different because, you know, um, I think he knew it was time to, to retire, get going. Um, 471 ERA, negative uh, war value, you know. Um, yeah. It, it was time to, time to move on. He's 37, so yeah. getting there, right? <laughs> uh, we had one other retiree as well this week. Not quite as old as Lester when he stopped playing, but you know, speaking of the Red Sox, he played for the Yankees, and that's uh, Melky Cabrera, aka the Milkman. If you want to be John Sterling, Milkman or Leche. <laughs> oh, is that is that really one of his nicknames? Uh, that's what Baseball Reference has down: Milkman or Leche. Oh, I just know John Sterling, uh, the Milkman, delivers uh, whenever he had a home run. Yeah, but anyway, uh, he last played in 2019 for the Pirates. Get a 15-year career, so almost as long as Lester, mostly with the Yankees and the White Sox. Uh, he is one of the last remaining members of that last Yankee World Series team from 09. It's just uh, him, yeah. Cano, and uh, Brett Gardner are the only ones that are still active. So time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. That's uh, right. Tw- 2012 All-Star Game MVP, just shy of 2,000 hits, but 1,962 uh, and a 285 career batting average. Um, again, that's actually, that's actually a lot higher career batting average than I thought. But then I guess by the end of his career, he could hit singles just fine. He just wasn't taking yeah. walks and hitting for power anymore. He, he did hit over 300 a couple times in his career. Um, he hit like over 350, uh, uh, almost 350 a couple times in his years. Uh, so good. Uh, solid player in his prime, but yeah not a hall of famer uh probably in the I, same conversation as as Lester, i would say yeah i don't i don't even think he's quite even in the hall of very good category he's he's a guy yeah. that played for he, he's a guy that was a, a good mlb player and he played baseball he was solid he, Which, he, i would say he's like i don't know is he kind of the definition of a of an average like replacement a little bit better than a replacement level player uh, I mean, he's better than a replacement level player. I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, you say average player, they say the average MLB starter should be putting up about two wins a season. Okay. Um, and you know, he had, uh, he, he did that for a long time. Uh, you know, a couple, couple good seasons, uh, a couple, couple really bad seasons, um, last three years really tanked that but mm. yeah just just kind of an average player uh which yeah. 
which in in five years, uh, I'm sure Chad will sit down and write his better know the ballot about Melky Cabrera, because that's <laughs> that's really what it's about is, hey, remember these guys that were baseball players, um, which we, we talk about in the interview a bit. <laughs> uh, and then there, there's a big retirement that I know you were excited about. Yeah. Another retirement, but this one is a number retirement. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, I believe, on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, they announced that the Mets will retire. Keith Hernandez is number 17. Uh, We'll be going up along with uh, one of the only players that are retired by the franchise. It's Piazza, it's Seaver, it's Kuzman, and it will be Keith. Um, So it's some elite company. He was acquired from the Cardinals in 1983, where he is also honored in their Hall of Fame. Uh, Numbers not retired, but he's honored in their Hall of Fame. I don't know if you remember that infamous picture uh, of on the wall where it says Keith Hernandez and then Edward Jones is bigger than (laughs) Keith Hernandez's name. Hopefully the Mets do it better than that. I mean, they have to just because it's a number in a circle, but (laughs) yeah. Um, Anyway, he was named the first captain in Mets history, uh, which they didn't have a captain until 1987, uh, right after the World Series. And then he also went on to be co-captain with uh, Gary Carter as well. So yeah, very good player. Sixth highest franchise war for the Mets. I was saying this before we came on the air. I think it's a bit of a stretch maybe to retire his number as a player just for his Mets time to be clear just for his Mets time yeah he's very good for the Cardinals too like I feel like his career work overall mm-hmm. probably would be worth it I, I am of the ilk that he should be in the Hall of Fame so you know uh, maybe it's weird to say that he shouldn't have his number retired for the Mets where if he is a Hall of Famer so maybe that's weird to say but I think he deserves it because he's become such a legendary broadcaster on SNY. Um, he's been on SNY for over 10 years at this point, since the beginning with Gary and Keith, Gary, Keith and Ron. Um, so I think that really helps his case. He's, he's just so beloved by Met fans and by Cardinal fans too. He's, he's really got a weird special place in history for two franchises. So it's, yeah. it's really cool to see. And he once dated Elaine Bennis, which is an Did accomplishment uh, in and of itself. And he is not a spitter. He's a smoker, but not he, a spitter. He did not spit on Newman and no. Kramer. That is correct. Clear that up. Um, but yeah, he uh, was on Seinfeld. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, good for Keith. I think it's it's cool. Um, he just went into the... Uh, he didn't go into the Mets Hall of Fame last year, but Ron Darling did. So he was there. And it's it's so clear that he just has such a love for this franchise. So, again, it's kind of a reward for his playing time and for his broadcasting career as well. So, so good good for Keith. I, I can't be mad at that one. Good for him. Um, not quite a full retirement, but the Orioles are uh, changing their left field wall. Oh, boy. Uh, Cam- Camden Yards has kind of been getting a reputation as a very big hitters park. And uh, so they're moving their left field wall back 30 feet <laughs> and putting it up by five and feet it. and raising it five feet. Um, so <clears throat> that'll be, I, I am excited to see all of the stat cast uh, pictures of what would have gone off, uh, would have gone out off of, the Orioles mostly mediocre pitching staff the year before and uh, what fun shenanigans happens in those deep corners. I love deep outfield corners because that's where triples go and doubles go and it's left field. So triples are a little less likely, but still it's a lot of fun to see the ball bounce around in that area. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be anxious on if that, uh, that Twitter account, will it dong is going to update their API a little bit to see if it would have been a home run in old Camden or not. Um, Yeah. Very weird. Uh, We saw the renderings of it as well. If you haven't, you know, look it up. It just looks weird and it looks terrible. It's Um, yeah, it's, it's it's something. I mean, we'll see if it looks better in person because sometimes they do, but it yeah. comes to like an abrupt stop because it gets to the bullpen. So it comes to just like an abrupt stop and it looks almost like a 90 degree angle where it comes back into center field. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's 
a decision uh, to alter your ballpark just because of Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, <laughs> and Weber Torres. But see, so, those, well, okay, the first two of those guys would hit it out anyways because they just hit it so deep and far. And yeah, it's uh, it, it reminds me. I don't know if you've watched uh, SB Nation's Fumble Dimension on YouTube, um, but they've had their their team of all Otani's series. Yes. They've they've had a couple, and in that one. Uh, they customized the ballpark to have the walls as far back as possible with the thought that Shohei Otani, the batter, has enough power to hit it out. And it saved Shohei Otani, the pitcher, a few uh, home runs you would have given up. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. I did watch that. And yeah, I guess it's kind of a similar thought. Um, I mean, good for John Means because, you know, he's only going to get better. Um, but yeah, again, it's a decision, especially since it's such a nice ballpark. It's such a, like an aesthetically, aesthetically pleasing ballpark, in my opinion. Right up there with PNC really for aesthetically pleasing ballparks. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so good luck. I also, uh, one of, uh, an Oriole fan, it said that there's apparently a seat where, uh, Cal Ripken Jr. hit a record setting home run oh, yeah. and that that is kind of cut out now um because they had to get rid of you know like five ten rows of seats or whatever so i wonder what they're going to do with that orange seat i want it to stay in play just like the yankees old monuments park or the flag pole up top of talus hill in mm-hmm. houston i want it i want all the crazy outfield ballpark shenanigans back in play I want bullpens back in play. I want all sorts of fun stuff for balls to bounce off of and create general craziness. I don't know why everyone complains about the catwalk at Tropicana. It's fun to watch baseballs bounce off that. That's that's fun. It's not going to happen because it would be fun. And baseball hates fun. Exactly. It would be fun. Just randomly have a chair out there. Think of the hilariousness of someone throwing a perfect game and the left fielder just going and sitting down on the seat. Like, come on. That'd sitting be a- down after making a running catch or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, it's fun. Great. I want come it. On. I want the fun. Make baseball fun again. So, uh, yeah. Um, all right. Last bit of news here. Um, it was the international signing period uh, opened up. Everyone, all the MLB teams got their new fat chunk of change that they could negotiate with international free agents with, because I'm sure they definitely weren't negotiating under the table before the free agent period started. No, that mm. would never happen. No, nope. wink, wink. That's why it took mere minutes uh, for the signings to start happening. Right. Um, it took those minutes to negotiate. Um, but <laughs> uh, there were, were a few um, big, big signings here. Um the, uh, the Yankees got the number one ranked international prospect, Roderick Arias, from the Dominican Republic. He's a shortstop. Uh, the largest contract given out was the Nationals um, to Christian Vaquero. I, wanna, I hope I pronounced that right. He is a Cuban outfielder, and he got close to $5 million, which hmm. is he got four, uh, $4,900,000, which is 900000 more than the number one prospect. So methinks that the national saw something in him that uh, international scouts maybe have not. Did they have in general? Did they just have more international money? Because I know that's a thing. So maybe they figured, Probably. hey, we've got some extra international money. I mean, really like this kid. So yeah. give him a bonus. You know, it's possible. It's possibly, yeah. This, yeah. This is wild. It's, you know, it's teenagers, you know, from Cuba, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, uh, you know, that we don't know anything about, um, (laughs) but it's, but it is some team's job to know about these kids because they could grow up to be good players. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of different signings. Uh, The Reds picked up number three, Ricardo Cabrera out of Venezuela, Venezuela, the Phillies picked up number four, William Bergola, Uh, the White Sox got the next Cuban off the board, Oscar Colas, because of course the White Sox are getting Cuban players. That's it's a requirement. I think at this point, I think it is Uh, Dominican Republic, of course, always brings a lot of players out. 
Um, the Bahamas has the number nine ranked international prospect. The Giants oh. signed Ryan Reckley out of the Bahamas, uh, cool. which is which is interesting because usually the Bahamas gets kind of lumped in with um, the West Indies, which is kind of cricket territory. Uh, a lot of those Caribbean countries, if they don't play baseball, they play cricket. So um, oh, is, is that is that a thing? I oh, guess yeah, they've got uh, a, the so uh, it cricket uh, international cricket. There's only a few quote unquote test nations um, countries that uh, have de- been deemed worthy of being um large enough in the cricket the world cricket scheme to uh to participate and uh there are only 12 countries in the world with test status uh and one of them is not actually a country it's the west indies which is a a, uh, collection of english-speaking caribbean countries that join together to have a team because Let's face it, when you're competing with Australia, India, and England, you might need oh, a yeah. few of those Caribbean nations to uh, actually compete. Mm. Meanwhile, True. the Dominican well, Republic competes in baseball just fine against the U.S. and Japan. So, yeah, yeah. there's a whole lot of talent from that area of the country. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I did have to look it up because you had to be curious. And today that I learned that Jazz Chisholm is from the Bahamas. He's apparently from Nassau. Oh, there, there we go. go. And I also thought it said Whitey Ford, but it, no, it's this guy, uh, Wenty Ford. Uh, looks exactly like it. He pitched in the 70s. Uh, but yeah, it's <laughs> not Whitey Ford. Uh, but yeah, Jazz Chisholm is a, is a current Bahama-born player. So so there you go. Only a couple of them, it looks like. So yeah, and, uh, maybe this is the next Jazz Chisholm. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> the, the big, uh, we had some younger brothers get signed. Uh, well, right. not officially signed, right? Soto has not officially signed. I, don't think... official. I know the Mets almost got him, but it turns out, wow, what a shock. He's going to go to Washington. Yeah, probably. there we so, go. Uh, yeah. so, so that and then Ronald Acuna Jr.'s uh, brother, Brian Acuna, he signed with the Twins this Ooh, okay. uh this offseason which is you know why i knew it and brought it up <laughs> good for you yeah there you go i know what they were saying about uh it was about acuna or about soto's brother that they said that he's has better tools at that age than they did it was about soto's brother i don't i don't know maybe i don't but, think it makes but, that much difference but like, like that's that's quite a like a statement right yeah like, <laughs> these guys are young uh 15 right aren't they like 15 16 years old and he's like better than soto at 15 like okay uh let's see if i recall zips had soto pegged at ted williams uh comps yeah so (laughs) what's what's zip say about the 20 2029 projection on Juan soto's brother We're going to have spoilers. We are going to have Dan back yeah. on the podcast at some point. So so maybe I'll ask him about Juan Soto's brother's Zips projection. I think I think that'd be a lot of fun, uh, <laughs> what that would be. So, all right. Well, Maz, uh, this has been great, as always, sitting down and chatting with you. Absolutely. It's always a good time. I haven't been here in a week, and uh, it was good getting back into the swing of things and welcoming everyone. Uh, first thing that you hear after our lovely music. So it's my privilege and honor. That's right. Maz's beautiful voice serenading <laughs> us as we enter into uh, each episode. Um, but enough of that voice. My voice is back in uh, just a little bit here. Uh, I'll be back with user Hispanic at the Disco, a.k.a. Chad, author of the Better Know the Ballot series, talking about that. And then we'll wrap this all up at the end of the episode. So uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Stick around for that. And once again, the answer to our trivia question, which pair of players were the last to finish a season with 140 plus RBIs that will get answered during the interview segment. So stick around for that. Welcome back, everyone. Lewis here, and I have the privilege of being joined today by the author of the annual Better Know the Ballot series, user Hispanic at the Disco, also known as Chad. Chad, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I appreciate being here. 
Well, we appreciate having you on here because as we were talking beforehand, uh, every year I look forward to reading through all of the Better Know the Ballot posts and uh, get to know some of these guys, especially the guys that they made it on the ballot. They're probably not going to get that many votes, but it's still fun to to go back and look back at some of these careers and just kind of, you, you know, do some remember these guys. Remember these guys? You, you know how that works? <laughs> you know, and that's a, that's exactly kind of where the idea came from me is, is if you were a reader of Deadspin back, you know, when Deadspin was was good for a while, mm-hmm. they would occasionally do this article called Let's Remember Some Guys. <laughs> and it was just random dudes that were, you know, that had kind of journeyman big league careers that you hadn't thought about since the day they retired. And so that was just a fun idea to me. So for those on the, uh, that are listening that haven't seen this for some reason, have been living mm-hmm. under a rock the past few Hall of Fame seasons, what exactly is the Better Know the Ballot series and how long have you been running it? So I started in 2018. And what it basically does is every year, obviously, this are the Hall of Fame requirements. You have to have had a 10-year major league career and then be retired for five. And, and once after that fifth year retirement, you're eligible for the Hall of Fame. So technically, there are usually between 20 and 30 guys every season who are technically eligible. Before that list goes out, the Hall of Fame pairs that down a little bit. Um, and so I looked at the 2018 Hall of Fame ballot and the guys who were at the very bottom when I, when I sort by the Bill James Hall of Fame, you know, moder- you know modifier, uh, the guys who were at the very bottom, I was like, why are these guys, why do these guys get a look at the ballot? And then it was like, you know what? These guys played for a while. Let's go ahead and talk about these guys for a minute. And that's kind of where the, where the idea came from. And that's what I do. So every year, in theory, I cover everybody who's a first year guy on the ballot. I don't think I've ever actually gotten through them all, <laughs> but that's that's what I set out to do. So how do you pick the order you do it? Because like, like you said, you don't always get to everyone. What kind right. of makes you choose, uh, you know, I'm going to prioritize this guy over another guy in uh, getting a profile written up about them. So the, the, the quick and dirty kind of metric that I use is the Bill James Hall of Fame monitor, which for, for people who don't know, it's, it's a tool on baseball reference uh, that is supposed to tell you, it's supposed to look at a certain player's stats and then tell you how often a player with those stats hasn't, you know, has gotten into the hall of fame, kind of their, their mm-hmm. odds based on past performance. And so 100 is a typical major leaguer or a typical hall of famer. Anything, anything above 120 is virtually a lock or it used to be anyway. Uh, and so the lower you go, kind of the lower your chances. And so every year the, the bottom guys are usually down in the, in the twenties or below. <laughs> and so the guys, who you know, for a fact, aren't going to be there next year. So I start from the bottom and kind of cover the guys who, you know, aren't coming back. Yeah. And that's, I mean, everyone writes articles about the guys at the top, about why they're going to be in the hall of fame, why they chose them. And so I really appreciate getting a glimpse at these guys that, okay, they're not going to get in, but uh, let's, let's review their careers because you know what? These guys played 10 major league seasons. They may not have been the best, but that's an impressive feat. Very few people in history have uh, played 10 major league baseball seasons. So they must've been doing something. Um, So, so I really enjoy that. So, Looking at all these ones you've written over the years, um, what do you think is has been your favorite player that you've highlighted and written about in this series? Um, well, as, as a Cubs fan, I mean, my favorite player is the first year we, I got to write about Kerry Wood, which is, you know, near and dear to any Cubs fan's mm-hmm. heart. Um, but overall, like, you know, I really enjoyed uh, being able to write about uh, Jamie Moyers was a lot of fun to do. Um, you know, Rick Ankiel, because he had such an interesting kind of arc to his career, you know, uh, and they're both fun ones because in addition to these guys having played 10 years and maybe not being Hall of Famers, a lot of these guys on that bottom end of the thing are someone's favorite player. Like they're mm-hmm. guys who are oftentimes beloved in the teams in, in the cities they played in, like Woody in Chicago, Moyer kind of basically everywhere he went, you know, and so it's really interesting to look at the guys who were just guys that you loved having, you know, even if they weren't necessarily the best player on your team, like you loved having them there if you were a kid. So, yeah. So, so writing about those guys, guys who kind of really made an impact 
on you know some kids' lives or change their community within you know, within the, the you know the teams they played for are, are the, the fun ones for me. Yeah, I mean those those are the guys that I mean they made it ten years because uh, at by the time they became free agents, no one else was going to be bidding on them, so the teams knew they could bring them back for cheap and they would still put up some some decent value. Um, have you ever? been going through and writing and changed your mind about like hey you know what i know the hall of fame monitor doesn't say this player should be a hall of famer but actually looking at their career i think i think maybe they should maybe get a little more recognition or or a little more uh, a few more looks by the the writers um you know there were a couple i i think actually one interesting the, the discussion that took place a few days ago in the comments when I posted about Ryan Howard mm -hmm. um, is a really interesting discussion about how sometimes, you know, the secondary metrics can miss, can miss the mark because Howard was an absolute beast at his prime in Philadelphia and, you know, has huge gaudy home run and RBI numbers. But according to, to the war totals, he was a phenomenally unvaluable player. And a lot of that is because, you know, it comes down to speed and defense, yeah. but that's, you know, um, and that's an interesting discussion. So kind of, you know, it, it, and then, and then the other one that I had was a couple of years ago, I think it was the second or third year I did it when Latroy Hawkins was available, you know, yeah. was, was up, uh, you know, it, Latroy is one of those guys, relievers, I think have a hard time anyway, uh, you know, look at any of the top tier closers who are now eligible for the hall of fame and kind of the struggle they're having, because we don't really know how valuable saves are. Yeah. I mean, if Billy Wagner is struggling to get elected and is on the cusp, if you're, I mean, Billy Wagner was really freaking good. So, uh, yeah, yeah. living up to that is hard enough surpassing it. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a tough task. Right. And I, I think Joe Nathan is kind of this year's example too, mm -hmm. where Joe had, a really like a better peak than I remember. Like I remember, oh, yeah. and that was one yeah writing. I was like, man, Nathan was actually really damn good for a long time. As a as a Twins fan, I remember when Nathan was so very good, and um, then we had Glenn Perkins, and now it, it's weird going into uh, the late innings and then not being just always being shaky about the league because growing up, I knew. Yeah, we got a lead in the ninth. Nathan's gonna shut this down. Like we're we're good yeah. to go. So uh, it's an interesting place to be. But yeah, he was really good. So I mean, I, just looking at those sorts of guys, like that discussion about Ryan Howard is a it's an interesting discussion to be had because I mean it, it's really the counting stats, right? Like yeah, he he hit over three hundred once, like only one one other year or two other years over 280 but they were both shortened seasons 2004 2005 right um i think he was kind of he became the poster child for um rethinking the aging curve uh, if i recall yeah. because that when he he debuted and then like he debuted at his peak basically and then just slowly came down and then uh, a lot of uh writers started questioning like the gradual increase and decline. And that mm -hmm. kind of led to a lot of the, the shifts in uh, projections and what we, what we think of here. Um, what, what were some things while writing about Ryan Howard that you, you were thinking about that was kind of um, maybe influencing you to think maybe he should be given a little more of a shot here. Um, and it, it well, yeah, you're, it's like you said, it really did come down to those, those counting stats, you know, where, and I, I try and keep, you know, I, I do try and include just some very basic, uh, you know, some very simple kind of league normalizing sabermetric numbers when I when I talk about the stats. So uh, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but I, I like to throw in, you know, like OPS plus mm -hmm. and, you know, BWAR and, and, and ERA plus, that kind of stuff. Um, and those all kind of, you know, do, you know, have their purpose, but it's also really hard when you look at a guy, you know, who hit 40 plus home runs four years in a row, over 140 RBIs. I mean, those are big, sexy numbers. They, it's they are really, very big numbers. Yeah, it's really, really hard to not look at that. And I, I think, I think for me, actually, the part where, where Ryan's candidacy falls apart is just how quickly he fell off that cliff. Mm -hmm. You know, if if he had had if his 
age 30 to 36 years had been more of a, a traditional kind of a steady decline, if the injuries hadn't gotten to him, I think we'd be having a very different conversation about Ryan Howard right now. I don't think he would still get in, but I think he would probably stick around on the ballot. As it stands right now, I think he's hovering around 2% of the, of the known ballot. So he's, he's almost yeah. a lock to fall off. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that was the thing that stuck out for me is that you look at those first you know, those five opening big seasons, 25 to 29, where his, 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 uh, the seasons, his age seasons are massive. And, and again, me, I mean, being not a, not being a Philly fan, um, you know, I was obviously clearly aware of Ryan Howard. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he won an MVP. So, right, right. <laughs> but you don't, you know, even those big players, you don't really tend to, to, remember five, 10 years on the line, how good they were, unless they were your guy. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that that's and, and that's constantly the, the thing that I enjoy about this series is going back. And for me, the most fun part is the first, you know, 100 words that I write where I'm going back and I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. and I'm looking at the BBRF page and I'm, I'm going back to those numbers and writing down league leading stats. That's great for me because I'm like, man, these guys had a thing. There's a you reason know? they stuck around like, yeah, they, they had yeah. their niche. And that's, you know, the one thing that I mentioned at the beginning of this current season's uh, list of players was that this year's first year ballot is massive. Uh, you, you know, like I said at the beginning, most most every time the first year list has a couple of guys who are down like 2015 on the ball and the Bill James Hall of Fame you know, monitor this year, every single person who's a first year ballot has a higher hall of fame monitor number than Mark Burley. Who's on for the second or third year now. Wow. Like, yeah, they, they're all guys who were just really, you know, really, really good for a really long time. And then for, you know, either injuries caught them or, you know, just brevity of career or something, but, but a lot of these guys aren't going to check out. And uh, yeah, looking forward ahead, like the next one I have is AJ Pierzynski who, again, I didn't really think about because he was never on, on my team. He's one of those guys that you know about. But he's like 110 on the Bill James Hall of Fame monitor. Like, he's like he's a guy who had a, a career that, that if he's not playing for you, it's really easy to go under the radar. Yeah, these are, these are guys that made a big difference for a lot of teams yeah. throughout the years. Um, and, uh, I mean, I never – I mean, he was on my – Pierzynski was on my team. I never really liked him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one liked him. No, no one was liked that, him, uh, especially when he went to the White us. Sox. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, those are the sort of things. And just real quick, uh, for our uh, listeners, for our trivia question for the week, you mentioned Ryan Howard had uh, three seasons over 140 RBIs. 2009, he had 141, and the other player to have 141 was Prince Fielder. So those were the last two players to hit over 140 RBIs in a season back in 2009, Prince Fielder and Ryan Howard. Um, so for those listening for the trivia question from the intro, there's your answer right there. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love going back, looking at these guys. Um, are there any players that you are especially excited about for this year that you, you haven't posted yet, that you're just really pumped to, to have gone back and looked through and get this posted? Pierzynski uh, is the next one. Okay, because, he is the next one. Yeah, because he was, he was one of those guys that, like I said, was, was, was surprisingly good for the, for the bulk of his career. Um, and one of those guys who... You know, you tend to think of like guys being good clubhouse guys or bad clubhouse guys. And the funny thing about, you know, what, what was the, the, the Ozzy Guillen quote about Brzezinski? If he's not on your team, you hate him. If he's on your <laughs> team, you hate him a little bit less. Like that's, you know, I don't think that he was a great clubhouse guy, but he was a great field guy. Like he really fired people up. He got things moving. And I find that personality really fascinating. So that's why I'm, I'm going to hopefully get out this week. And I'm looking forward to actually sitting down and kind of flushing through my notes and, and writing that one, because Pierzynski, I think is a really interesting case study of a ball player who, uh, you know, was, was good, but just didn't, care if you mm -hmm. if you if anyone else saw it like he just wanted to go out there and play his game and, and win some ball games and it didn't matter you know if his teammates liked him or not which is a, a you know almost a unique case yeah and i mean it doesn't it doesn't help for 
for what it's worth, his time in Minnesota, it doesn't help that um, he was very quickly replaced by the face of Minnesota baseball, Joe Maurer himself, pretty quickly. And he was sitting there knowing that uh, the number one pick was down the pipeline waiting to take his job. So, yeah. uh, I, I mean, let, I mean, he hit 312 in 2003, and he still knew he was getting replaced uh, once Maurer was ready. So, um, yeah, it, to, to San Francisco and then the White Sox, he went. <laughs> and you know 19 seasons in the big leagues that's that's, that's impressive yeah that's that's really impressive especially for a guy who you know basically never left the catching position i mean there aren't guys who play that long behind the behind the plate and do that well i mean that you're, you're when you when you get to that kind of longevity you're talking about guys like ted simmons and, mm -hmm. and you know guys who just carlton fisk like that's that's really rare company yeah those uh Oh, not to get too cliche. That was lunch pail players. You know, he first one yeah. in, last one out. So <laughs> exactly. Really yeah. I, I always imagine AJ like showing up. Yeah. With his like steel lunchbox and like a little <laughs> bit of grease on one face. on a cheek. You don't know where it came from. He's yeah, just like, you there. don't want to ask. You don't want to ask where it came from either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like if it was a military, AJ is like, you know, like, like a, like a sergeant. He's like, Oh, don't call me, sir. I work for a living kind of a thing. You know? <laughs> oh, so um, just looking down the pipeline, um, what are some players that you're excited for maybe next year? Because I hope you continue the series. We really want you to continue it. I hope you know that. Uh, this, is, this is your annual reminder. People are reading. People love it. Please continue to do this every year. Um, what are some players that you're looking at down the pipe that you're thinking, oh, I cannot wait until this guy's eligible and we can really dive into what that career was like? So next year has some potential for some fun ones because uh, like Carlos Beltran is is on that the, the ballot next year. Uh, so is uh, R.A. Dickey, um, Bronson Arroyo, you know, guys who, again, uh, you know, I, Arroyo and Dickey aren't going to be Hall of Famers, but I think I think they're they were interesting enough guys mm -hmm. to really have some fun to talk about. Um, Jason Grilly is another one who is just a, one of those guys like a personal favorite player of mine, so I feel like that would be fun. Um, and then I think the next year, I think twenty twenty four is. Let me see that that's going to be uh, yeah. So twenty twenty four has David Wright and Chase Utley, who I think are you know going to be a lot of fun to talk about too. So yeah, there, there are always a couple. And then of course, you know, it's always hard to tell on the bottom end There's more fringy players yeah, because it's so hard to know where the hall is going to make the cut mm -hmm. um, because they don't really seem to have any hard and fast rules about specific stats or awards won or anything. So it, it's really hard to know from any given year who's actually going to be on the list. Yeah, I, I'm curious how they determine that, too, because um, it seems very arbitrary. Like some guys who make it through, it's like how I mean, there was no chance. Like we all knew yeah. there was no chance and they're not going to get they're going to get one vote because some writer once caught their foul ball and was really excited about it or something like um, I'm really interested in, in that the process in that room or if every year it's just they have some other like lowly hall person like <laughs> all right my turn to set the cutoff this year ah we're gonna stick it here all right there we go like <laughs> you know and and in theory the the theory that i've heard that I, that, I, that i think makes the most sense for me as far as like why these guys these guys who clearly aren't hall of famers are on the list at all is that if you if you had a, a decent career if you if you you know did all this stuff that kind of being on the ballot for that one year is like a final tip of the cap to yeah. what you did and that's fine i'm fine with that but yeah, it, it's it's where it comes. And I, th I think year two, I actually towards the beginning kind of talk about it a little bit. And like the fact that like Ted Lilly got on the Hall of Fame ballot one year, uh, but Ryan Dempster didn't. Like, I don't know what it is about those, yeah. you know, what, what the separation was in those two careers, um, especially because Dempster, by all accounts, was a very good, a very nice guy, loved mm -hmm. by the media. The fans enjoy, you know, enjoyed him where he, wherever he was at. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I that's always the the question for me is I'll look ahead and look at like, you know, the potential ballot and then having to wait until the actual ballots announced to see how many names were cut. And sometimes it's a bunch of names and sometimes it's not that many. So speaking of the, the ballot uh, yeah. now, I wonder, you know, part of the reason you put these guys on, not just to 
a tip of the cap, but also, I mean, if you only had 12 names on there, does, does the voting go down? Like suddenly you're only comparing the best of the best and people are less likely to vote. I don't know. That'd be an interesting thought experiment. Um, But for, for this next question, my thought experiment for you is if you had a hall of fame vote this year, um, what would your ballot look like? Uh, My ballot would have eight names on it this year, I think. Uh, I've, you know, looking over, I, I think that if, if, I, if I were to have one, my votes go to Bonds, uh, Clemens, because having both of them out is just stupid. I mean, <laughs> and we know about the, you know, I, I think at this point, I, I think the voters are starting to reflect this. I, I think the whole uh, PED ship has sailed. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think we're also making a very stronger delineation between guys, A, guys who tested positive, uh, but B, guys who were accused before there were rules in set in place and guys who were caught after the fact. And I think that's yeah. going to be the big difference. So Bonds, Clemens, uh, Bonds, Clemens, uh, Roland, uh, Wagner, Helton, Andrew Jones, uh, Ortiz and Andy Pettit, I think are my, uh, Ooh, you've got Jones on the ballot. I do. Andrew Jones was probably the greatest defensive outfielder of all time. Um, and I, you know, we've established with guys you know in the past that there is a place for defense in the hall of fame but when you add in the fact that jones especially early in his career could absolutely rake i mean it's it seems silly to even have him be a fringe guy um i i think i think he absolutely deserves to be in yeah i i even remember when he was playing uh people were talking about uh is andrew jones playing his way out of the hall of fame like if if he had retired at age 29, you know, he got his, right. got his 10 seasons, 10, 11 seasons in and just stopped playing. Didn't, you know, hit sub 200 in 2008 for the Dodgers. Right. Um, and never really recover what, what he had. I mean, he had a couple of good years with the, or at one decent year with the Yankees, I guess you could say um, near right. the end, but yeah, I, I see that. And then Andy Pettit, this this is what I'm interested in, in why Pettit would be on your ballot um, over some of the other ones that are on there. Uh, for me, you know, for Pettit, there's first of all, there's the consistency. I mean, there's only one year really where he didn't, you know, notch, you know, didn't start at least 20 games, didn't have double digit wins. And, uh, and that was the year where he didn't play a full season. I mean, mm-hmm. that was 04 with, with, you know, with the Astros. Um, but also for Pettit, you know, and I think the, the thing that I think gets a lot of, you know, honestly, a lot of Yankees guys in is you've got to look at that body of postseason work. And, you know, there are very few guys. If I, if I'm going to a world series, there are very few guys that I'm going to really want, you know, in that postseason roster, other than Pettit. I mean, mm-hmm. he was, he was good. His numbers in the actual world series are a little bit shaky. The ERA I think is right around four, somewhere in there. Um, but you know, he's got that experience and that experience count, I think counts for a lot. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it was the combination of, and again, it's, it's, I know that it's not always great to go to back to the counting stats and stuff, but 256 wins, you know, I said I say the same thing about wins that I do about saves. Uh, at one point in the comments, I've been I think talking about Joe Nathan, right? I say that you know I don't think saves themselves are a magic number to get a guy in, but a high number of saves is a good secondary indicator that a guy was really good at his job for a long time. Yeah, and I think you know that's the same thing goes with like you know with wins wins and losses is when you look at the wins and losses. They're not indicative of necessarily a great pitcher, especially because wins are kind of, you know, they're to a, to a certain degree out of a pitcher's hands. But having a large, you know, but having a large number of them indicates that you were good enough to take the ball every fourth or fifth day for a really long time. Uh, you know, and you add in that 60.2 war that he's got, 60.5, somewhere in that. Uh, you know, the ERA is right around 3.8, which isn't terrible, especially for that time. Oh. You know, uh, I think his I think his career ERA plus is somewhere around 120, like 115, 120. Yeah, the numbers are just strong enough. And, and I, for me, it's it's one of those things. I mean, if if Schilling was a better guy, <laughs> he'd be on my <laughs> list, too, you know, Um and, and, and admittedly, now, I think if I, if I were a voter, my vote kind of falls in the same way that it looks like a lot of voters are, where after last year, when he was like, well, fuck you, I don't want to play anyway. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think all, I guess, a lot of voters are just like, fine, then go ahead and just wait for the committee. Um, 
And that's and that ultimately, I think I, mean, I think that's going to be probably Pettit's fate. Is I think he's one of those guys who's not going to get in through the voters, but the committee is going to put him in. The veterans committee is going to go ahead and put him in. Okay. Um, and you know, but that that's kind of that's how I think he gets in. But for me, for me, he's a Hall of Famer. Okay, that that's interesting. All right, <laughs> I get the sense you don't agree. <laughs> I, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's uh, quite there. Um, I, I do. So, I mean, you mentioned his postseason accolades. Um, I was actually surprised looking at his postseason numbers that they weren't better because he always absolutely tore through the Twins lineup and was a big reason that we are um, winless for so long in the the playoffs. Yep. Um, be, because he did, he'd he'd go seven innings, one run, and just take us out of the game, and it was always uh. Quite, quite frustrating. But yeah, I, I, I never really thought of him as, uh, as anywhere close to, to that, uh, that Hall of Fame line. Now, you know, you mentioned you look at the Nate, the list before uh, the Hall makes their cuts. Who are some guys that, uh, or, or maybe one guy in particular, other than Dempster, that you were, were looking at before the ballot came out and were like, oh, I really want to write about this guy. And then they were cut and you weren't able to write about him. You know, in all honesty, I, I, I can't really answer that question. And, and, okay. and the biggest reason why is because the first year that I did it, uh, I started the first, I think the first one or two that I wrote were before the Hall of Fame announced the official ballot. And so at that point, when I started, there were 28 names that were eligible. And then they cut it down to, I want to say, 15. And so at that point, I was like, oh, so this is gonna, how it's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm just going to not even look until mm. you know mm-hmm. so at this point now i don't even i don't even look until the end of november when they, when they kind of cut the ballot down um so I, I i honestly i can't remember who would have been on the ballot dempster was the one that struck out that stuck out to me um because i remember specifically that that combination because lily and dempster were both on the cubs so i knew them both and as to why one made it and the other didn't i don't know but aside from that i honestly couldn't remember anyone who wasn't who or who was on that ballot or was eligible for the ballot and didn't make it on Okay. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm looking through your, your post history here. You did get uh, a a good 21 done that first year. And I was so young and full of energy then. So young and full of energy. It's like when I used to run like five different uh, series on our baseball and now I'm do the podcast and, you know, clean up the new queue a little bit and that's that's pretty much it uh it's amazing what what getting old does right (laughs) well is there anything else from this project that um you just want to let people know about or or any just reflection on how you feel about the project as a whole every year when you sit down to do it um you know, I, I think the the biggest thing is so when I started the series, and I think you can see if you go back to some of the early ones, I really intended the series to be kind of I think more of a more of a comedy series. Like it was, it was we were just kind of messing around because it was the off season and we wanted something to read. Um, and I, I do think those first ones are probably funnier than what I do now. Um, but I think part of that is because at the end of the day, honestly, I don't think I'm that funny. So. <laughs> I really started to get away from, you know, to try and try to make everything a lot. I mean, I still throw jokes in, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're as funny now as they used to be. Um, and so what I do now is kind of more kind of career analysis and such. Uh, but that also makes it dangerous territory because I don't want people to start thinking that I'm trying to pass myself off as any kind of a baseball expert. I'm just a guy, you know, I just enjoy talking about baseball. And, and if, if it's one of your favorite players and I say he was a piece of shit, that's, you know <laughs> what, that's, that's fine. You can, you can call me out for that, whatever, you know, uh, you know, I'm a guy who thinks that Andy Pettit's a hall of famer. So what the hell do I know? Um, no, but that's, but that's ultimately what I'm looking to do more than anything else is not so much, you know, stoke any fires or kind of draw any delineations. I want to just pe- get people talking. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if the way to get you talking is to hop in and be like, dude, you are so off base on this. I'm okay with that. Like that's, you know, we're here. It's, it's a long, cold off season. And this particular off season has a chance to be longer and colder than most. Uh, and we all need something to do. And we can't all draw pictures of, 
Mike, Mike Trout. Trout. So we yeah. gotta we gotta do something else, you know. But that's what we're here. We're here to have fun. And uh, if you like it, man, I appreciate you so much because yeah, it's it's just something that I initially started doing because I thought it, it would amuse me and nobody else. And then the fact that people like us, you know, like we were talking about before we started here, is that you know every season I'm like, do I want to do this again? And then like three people message like, hey, are you coming back? And I was like, well, I guess I'm coming back. Oh well, so, every time yeah. I think I'm out, they pull me back they in. Pull me back know? in. They pull yeah. me back in. So yeah, that's ultimately it. Is just just know that I appreciate you reading, and I'm not trying to say your your favorite player sucked, and uh, I'm not trying to say that guys should be in the Hall of Fame or shouldn't be Hall of Fame. Except Harold Baines, he can go to hell. <laughs> uh, you know, but I just, I just I'm just having fun, and I hope you guys are too. Yeah, I I just went back and and pulled up the very first Better Know the Ballot, uh, posted November fourteenth, twenty seventeen. Was that Batista? Who was that? Uh, yeah, Miguel Batista. Yeah, yeah. Uh, career BWAR 12.7, got some stats, awards, 2001 World Champion, league leading stats based on balls and is that wild pitches? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, books written to Miss Iowa's Insulted One. And, oh, that's uh, right. Because he was there was when he was with the Nationals, uh, there was a start where he started instead of Steven Strasburg. And they asked him about that. And he was like, yeah, it's like showing up to the, you know, showing up to expect to see Miss Universe and you see Miss Iowa instead. <laughs> and so then there was a whole thing. And like they brought Miss Iowa out to the <laughs> out to DC to throw the first pitch out and whatever. So yeah, he insulted <laughs> Miss Iowa. You called him the third eye blind concert of pitchers <laughs> because he seemed tailor-made to be experienced, then forgotten almost immediately. Have you have you been to a third eye blind concert, Chad? I I will neither confirm nor deny. I actually I can't remember. Maybe I was. Who knows? <laughs> maybe I, uh, I was. Maybe yeah. I wasn't. Maybe I thought I was, and then it was simple plan or something. I don't know. <laughs> all the same, it's it's absolutely there is no difference between any no, of it. All the same as sick puppies. That's that's their song. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Well, all right. Now I've got I got my alt rock joke. So this is great. I, I love that. So, Chad, thanks so much for, for coming on and uh, sitting down with us to talk about the Better Know the Ballot series. Listeners, look forward to the AJ Pierzynski edition coming out hopefully this week. And uh, Chad, I, I think I speak for all of us when I say you really got to do like a uh, a mega thread at the end of every year where you just list them all out to make sure no one missed it. You post over the holidays. Sometimes I miss these things and I just want to make sure I get to see them all. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to take that to heart. And this year, I think no matter how many of I get finished before the ballot comes out, I think once the ballot's released, I'll probably go ahead and, and see if I can't do that and, and, and do a roundup for folks. So that I appreciate the input. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and thank you so much for joining us today and sitting down and talking about it. Uh, for listeners at home, uh, stick around. We've got our outro coming up in just a little bit. And uh, be sure to stay tuned every Monday morning for our Baseball Weekly. Thanks for listening. for listening to another great episode of our baseball weekly we are so glad to have you here listening and enjoying the show just like chad we enjoy hearing when people enjoy the stuff we produce so thanks for listening my name is lewis i am the executive producer of this podcast and i also happen to co-host the intro and uh, do our interview today our admin is Christine. Maz hosted the intro this week, and we always love when uh, they get to join us for that. And we had the privilege of interviewing user Chad, aka Hispanic at the Disco. And uh, thanks for coming on, and thanks for continuing that Better Know the Ballot series. Our editor is the wonderful Nime. Thank you for putting this all together at the end of each week, Nime. And our theme music was composed by Chuck Lease. Our Baseball Weekly releases every Monday at 1 a.m. Eastern Time, just in time for your morning commute. So be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.